Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Kahn Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And don't forget, you can always read my work on ESPN.com. You can also get all the latest up-to-date coaching information from around the NFL because there are multiple jobs open, as you know, and each one can kind of affect what's going on in Washington. So, and there could be another one opening up after this weekend with the disaster of a first-round playoff loss by the Dallas Cowboys. Control your laughter. But it just could be, it could be another one that adds to the mix. I don't know that they'd be in the mix for the same coaches. We'll see. Or even what's going to happen there. So we'll see. Anyways, a couple things to get you up to date on the coaching information. This is the week that Washington can now virtually interview guys like Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick, Aaron Glenn, the Lions defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris, and Dan Quinn, Dallas's defensive coordinator. So they can do that virtually. Um, and then the in-person interviews occur after the 22nd of January. You have to, I think I've told you before, you have to wait until three days after their first round playoff game before you can talk to them virtually, but this will be the first chance to do it. And they're clearly going to, I don't know the days of all these interviews. They're going to interview these guys this week. So whether it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever, that's going to happen. And so they go from there. And this is just the first, it's part one of the process to get to the most, the more important one, which is the in-person interviews. Um, That's the big deal. And that's when you start to really narrow things down and get deeper and much deeper, deeper, and deeper into the process. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Adam Peters for a second and then how it relates to their coaching search because there's a difference here. Like with Peters, Peters was the firm number one going into this process for them. Part of it was he was a runaway choice by any by anybody in the league when you talk about, well, who's the GM candidate that that should probably get the job and to be at, get a job. And it's, it was Adam Peters and teams have obviously tried to, had tried to hire him before declined to go to some of these, um, you know, la- this last year declined some interviews. So this was a job that he wanted, but it's also, he was viewed as a very, very firm number one going into the process because of his expertise, because of his background and the, the vast experience he has. I mean, again, 11 years as a scout, so like he started from the bottom. Now he's here. And, but it's like, he went from scout for 11 years to director of college or assistant director of college scouting, director of college scouting, and then his role with the 49ers. And by the way, I don't, I do know that some people are asking about the whole Trey Lance trade. Well, first of all, one trade or one move doesn't define anybody. It's kind of like if you're a golfer and you get into a bad spot, how do you recover? Well, the Niners recovered from that deal, first of all, by building a really good roster and then also taking another quarterback late in the draft that fit what they wanted to do. And he was a guy that I, you know, that I don't know how, anyways, he was a guy that they liked who fit what they did. And so it mitigated the blow of not hitting on Trey Lance. But as far as how it relates to Adam Peters, there's some there, you know, my understanding has always been that there's some level of uncertainty about how much he really liked him or what his, but in a trade like that, it's not coming down to a guy in his role. That's Kyle Shanahan, Lynch, and then people, you know, the higher, higher, higher ups 
not a guy like Peters. Now, I don't know what he exactly thought of him, but I don't, and I think there's some people there you talked to, like, it's, it's a little bit ambiguous. Um, clearly it'll be asked like what you learn from that. But again, what you learn from that is every team makes mistakes. Every great GM makes mistakes. Every great coach has a bad game. Joe Gibbs had bad games, believe it or not, had some bad seasons, believe it or not. He was still one of the best coaches of all time. So, and I'm not trying to like give him excuses, but I think, you know, like if you're scared off by that trade, you're not paying attention to all the things that are going around. And, and again, it, he was not in the position to make that kind of a trade, but I think it's worth asking him as the as this off season goes, what kind of lessons did you learn from that? So that way, like what things that you can carry through, because this is a crucial off season for quarterbacks. But just because the Niners maybe botched it on Trey Lance doesn't mean that Adam Peters shouldn't be looking at a quarterback in this draft. And this deep fear of, oh my God, you know, there's this unbelievable fear for drafting quarterbacks. And if you operate, like, I'll just, I'm going to go on a little a 30 second tangent here, but if you operate in a draft out of fear for, well, you know what, these quarterbacks in the past didn't hit, so therefore you can't draft one. Operating out of fear is a poor way to run a franchise or anything. And if Houston had taken that approach, there was a knock on Ohio State quarterbacks for, for a few years. Well, if Houston had taken that approach, they're not taking C.J. Stroud. He's kind of good. So you don't have, but my point is you don't operate that way. But for those of you wondering about that, it will be asked things that he learned from that because whether or not he's making the decision, he was part of the evaluation process at some level, at some level. And again, I think there's some uncertainty to what degree um, that his input was was heard on that. I don't know, but it will be asked. And, and so we'll learn what he learned from that experience, because I do think it's important to learn that you want to learn from your mistakes because that's how you grow. And I think it's, it's just like a rookie. What did you learn about this bad play you had? Well, you learned this. Okay. Now you can get better here. So how can that lessons learned there be applied to the future in Washington to make better decisions? And again, there's no player that's perfect. It's you know, every year I hear a guy is a surf, you know, this guaranteed this or that. And it's usually not the case. It's almost never the case. There's no lock at any position. And there's some guys that look great coming in, but you don't know. And so that's why it's a crapshoot. But at that position, what lessons you learn? And I think, you know, personally, my own belief, I never would have drafted Trey Lance in the top 10. I didn't think he was very good, that good in college. And I thought there was too many issues just as a player to, and with only one game his senior year or, like, or this last year, there was not enough information to go on to, for me personally, to make that kind of a move. I wasn't a big fan of his and he played, it played out the way that I thought it might with based on what you saw in college. And so, um, so what did Adam Peters learn from that experience to apply to Washington? That will be asked. So just take a deep breath. And we'll go on from there. But anyways, getting back to this situation. So a couple of things. The press conference will be early, the, early this week for to introduce Peters to the Washington media and the fans, et cetera, et cetera. I, as, as of right now, I believe it'll be Tuesday. It's not official. We'll see. But one thing, like they weren't going to have it over the weekend because there are games being played and you don't have that kind of press conference on the weekend. You're not going to have it on Monday because there are games being played on Monday. So you're not going to interfere with the rest of, with what the NFL games. So Tuesday would be the earliest that you could have it. So, you know, just stay tuned for that. But it is going to happen. So, you know, they're not going to wait to do this because this is a huge hire. This is a Grand Slam hire. 
if you're if you're Josh Harris in this group, you want to show off your new your newest addition, like the guy, the GM candidate in the offseason chose your team. You want to show that off, and they will. You know, and I know it's funny because when Ron Rivera came here, he talked about taking five years to change the culture in an organization. I think if you talk to some people in this group, I think you'd hear something similar. I don't think they're going to be quite as uh, um, vocal about the word culture, but I think it's a huge deal. But I also think that it takes a while to change the mindset of an organization and to get all the kind of people that you want inside there. Because I think there's going to be a lot of work to be done not just in the coming months, but the next few years at this, as this organization really, really, really turns over. Um, it's not like everybody there has been bad. That's not even close to the case, but I think there are a lot of, I think there are going to be, I think the evaluation process is, is absolutely ongoing for every department in that organization. Because I think one of the things when I remember talking to guys like Mike Shanahan, when they came here and just, what it was like for them in San Francisco when they were winning all these Super Bowls. And actually, when when back when it was the Redskins, you know, in the 80s and early 90s, it was a place that people wanted to be at and wanted to work for and stay there. And I think it was, you know, for I know for the 49ers, there was always like, oh, they had the best this and the best that. It wasn't just about the best coach or the best player. They had people in, you know, in the video room doing this who were really top-notch at their job. They were, had you know, people working in other aspects of the organization who really top notch at their job. And I think that's what they're trying to get to here. Um, and again, there are a lot of good people here already, but they're going to trust me. When I say like, this is an ongoing evaluation. I think it'll look in some places will look different in a couple of years than it does now. And that makes sense. Cause anytime there's a new owner that comes in, that's what happens, but you've got to surround with the right people. When Dan Snyder came in, it also changed for the worse. And, you know, you talked like, again, I'll go to Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs is a Hall of Famer, and he's obviously a confidant of Josh Harris. Joe Gibbs was a is a Hall of Famer to sports for a simple reason. He knows who to surround himself with. Joe Gibbs is one of the greatest coaches of all time, but the number one thing that I think he did well is knowing who to, again, important hire, Joe Bugle, Richie Pettibone. Those staffs were tremendous. So it's not just about being a great coach. It's about being a great evaluator of people. I think that's where Gibbs excels. And, and that's why he's a Hall of Famer in two sports. And I know there was somebody, when you talk to people who work there for him now, like they don't leave and they don't leave for a reason because they're treated well. And, and it's a, you know, and so you develop a lot of pride in, in where you're at. And when people treat you well, you feel different about a place. And that's something that wasn't going on here for a few decades. So that's something they have going for them, but it is something that I think they're going to want to see more changes with. And I think what that's how you create sustained success. Success. It's not just about like, oh, again, okay, hey, you brought Joe Gibbs back. That's great. But if the infrastructure of the building of the organization is is somewhat unstable in certain areas, it's eventually going to manifest itself in some way. And, you know, it, it, it may take a couple of years. Maybe there's cracks here or there. But if you don't have a really solid foundation throughout the organization, it's hard to sustain success. With the coaching decision, so the difference that I'm getting to, I have kind of a long time to get to this point, but one of the differences that it certainly sounds like going into this process is as opposed to GM, with the GM, Adam Peters, a clear number one. 
I don't believe that's the case with the coaching decisions. And it's funny because on these Sunday shows, you hear oh, so-and-so is a top candidate. So-and-so is a top candidate. Well, they only have seven. So they're kind of all top candidates. Now, some maybe a little bit more than others. So some of the names make sense to say he's a top candidate. Well, of course, Ben, jo ben Johnson would be a top candidate for any job. Do not assume that he is an automatic to come here. You know, I don't, I think, Again, I've told you before, like there are going to be other jobs that open up. What if he hears something from another team that appeals to him more about his role within the power structure? That's a possibility. So you don't know. Now, is it possible he still comes here? Of course. But I think you have to let this process play out before you can start to get into the, oh, this guy is the the the, the main target. I think there's, you know, that's, again, my understanding is they look at this coaching class as it's pretty there's not as Peters was the runaway guy runaway. Peters is the clear top choice. I think in this one, there's like they, I think there's a feeling like there's good depth in this, in these candidates. Um, and there may be more added because Adam Peters may come in and, and may want to get a couple more people onto his list um, that he wants to interview, but that, that it's a pretty close group in general, especially at the top of their list. Um, but I think they feel, I think the feeling is there's some good depth here, and so that's why I think it's hard to say so-and-so is the main candidate. So-and-so is a top target. And, you know, one thing I'll say is like some of this, like this is a very quiet and secretive group. So a lot of this stuff is going to come from outside here rather than inside here. But I can say like what I've told you is basically what has been the sense that I've gotten. So there you go. Now, again, some some coaches make a lot more sense than others, and they do have some connections to a guy like Ben Johnson, if that's the guy that you want, because, again, Rick Spielman's brother works for the Lions, Chris Spielman. Well, they're going to know Ben Johnson pretty well. So there is a familiar, there's at least a base of knowledge there, which I think helped them also get to Peters because of Bob Myers and his affiliation out in San Francisco, very tight with that organization. So he knew him, seemed to be pretty well. That matters. But, like, you look at, but you can't say for sure who it is. And I think the number one thing that's going to matter to them, it's not about, it's not about like, is it an offensive guy? Is it a defensive guy? The number one criteria will be, is he a strong leader? Because if you're not a strong leader, it doesn't matter that you're a good play caller. It doesn't matter. You have to be a strong leader to be a good head coach. So that's why they have five defensive coordinators on this list and two offensive coordinators. And the funny thing is, I was talking to one prominent coaching agent on Saturday and they, we were talking about that. And it's because like there are a lot of it's there just happened to be a year where there aren't a lot of really strong offensive coordinator candidates. I think, you know, and so that's why they only have two. And Brian Callahan's another one from Cincinnati, but he has not been um, attached to this job as of yet. I don't know if it will happen down the road, but certainly as of yet, there's been no movement toward getting interviewing him. Um, at this point. So right now it's just two offensive coordinators. So it's not about offense defense. Now, with the number two pick, if you are going to draft a quarterback, obviously it makes sense if you had an offensive-minded head coach because they can stay in that system for a few years, et cetera. But you, if you don't have, if that offensive-minded head coach is not with the leader you want, then it doesn't make sense. So then you better have a defense coordinator who has a great plan for the offensive side of the ball and a succession plan because if you're a defensive coordinator and you bring in some offensive coordinator and they do well again, Bobby Sloak in Houston, he's doing, he's had a really good year coaching uh, CJ Stroud Well, the Texans might lose him either this year or next year, then what? So what is your succession plan? If this guy leaves, is this guy going to be changing offenses every couple of years? 
that's one of the that's one of the downsides to to a defensive guy. But if he's a really good leader, and I think that and and that, again, that will be the number one criteria for them. It's not about like, oh my God, he called a great game on Saturday in the playoffs and therefore hire him. It's about the leadership skills first and foremost, then the rest falls into place. Um, certainly the play calling gets you noticed without a doubt. Um, so but that's going to be the number one criteria. And then how are how do they align with the front office? This is when again, when you talk to people who've been with Harris for a number of years, the number one of the things that you look for is an aligned aligned vision because and, and the ability to communicate the vision of the organization. So Josh Harris doesn't want to be making the decisions. He's going to hire people to do that and carry out the vision of the franchise. But so if you better be aligned, the head coach and the GM had better be aligned. So you may have a case where like, you know what, this guy is absolutely the best candidate, but he doesn't align with the vision that, that the organization has or with the GM, maybe they see things differently. So maybe you go down a notch in a coaching, maybe just like instead of a a nine, you get an eight, but if they align with the GM better, then it's better for the organization because that's a big deal for building a sustained successful franchise so anyways but again like ben johnson i mean it's hard not to like what he has done as a play caller in detroit and and i'm recording this as his game is going on sunday night so i don't know by the time you hear this i don't know what they're i don't know what they're doing now because i'm recording this but also what they're going to do but i do know what he's done over the last couple years and it doesn't matter what happens in a playoff game and it's it's funny because like dan quinn his last playoff game or the playoff game for Dallas was horrible. Their defense got gas on the ground. And, and here it is, folks. It's a good example of when you have some level of balance to your offense, what can happen successfully when you have good quarterback play as well. So it's not just about run pass balance. It's run pass and a quarterback who operates effectively like Jordan Love did. Anyway, that aside, um, you know, Bobby Sloak had a terrific game against the Browns on Saturday. Really like the way they the misdirection, the fooling of the eyes, how they created space and angle or create space for guys in the, in the pass game. The details of selling a play, a tight end selling a block and holding it for an extra split second, leaking out into the flat wide open. So like they really took advantage. What I like, they attacked the Browns. It, you know, the Browns are an aggressive defense. They attacked their aggressiveness. That's how you do it. That's really good play calling. And I think the other thing that's attractive about a guy like him, if they go in that direction, is he did work with a rookie quarterback, a number two pick in the draft, and and he and he excelled with them. And so and with a defensive-minded head coach. So there's a lot there too, and that's all good. But keep in mind, if you only go by somebody's last game, Sean McVay's two of his last three games in Washington, they scored a combined 25 points. They had 15 against Carolina. They beat, I think they beat someone the next week. I can't remember. It was like, I can't remember. I don't remember who it was, but they scored Chicago. They scored like 40 against Chicago. And then the last game, they scored 10 points against the Giants. Somehow the Rams still thought he was a good candidate. They hired him. And I think he's been a pretty good coach. So, and again, I say that without knowing what happened in the Detroit uh, Rams game Sunday night as I tape this. But the point is, you can't just say like, well, his playoff game was lousy. Don't hire him. Or his playoff game was great. Go get them. It's a body of work and it's the leadership skills that go into it. Um, but certainly, you know, again, you look at what Sloak did and is Sloak ready? Is he another year off? I don't know. But I do know that he's done a hell of a job 
calling plays for um, the, the, the Texans this year and getting a rookie quarterback to really maximize CJ Stroud is really, really good. But I think that, you know, when you get put in position to, to excel, it's not about putting a guy in position to throw every, you know, almost every play. That's not how quarterbacks develop. You develop by working within the confines of an offense and having, it doesn't have to be 50, 50, but you want to have some level of guesswork by the defense, which helps a young quarterback. So not always that complicated. Um, so there you go. And I think, you know, again, one of the things too, when you look at these candidates, I'll probably talk about this more as we go forward, but is the adaptability. One of the things I like about, you know, Mike McDonald from Baltimore, Dan Quinn, even as defensive coaches that they really adapt their defense to what they have. They've changed their defense over the years. Like Dan Quinn, what he did here was different. Seattle was different than Atlanta it was different in Dallas. Um, I look at Raheem Morris, who has evolved as a coach in a major way. Went for coach defense, coach went over to coach offense for a little bit, now back coaching defense. So you learn a lot more. So I think I like that kind of stuff. Uh, ben Johnson has worked in a couple of different offensive systems, so he's not wedded to a system, but he's a but he's really, really, really big on the details of the game. And, you know, um, that's the stuff when you talk, you'd hear about Sean McVay, you'd hear, you know, with Kyle Shanahan and having covered those guys and talked to players there, it was the, the minute details that they were really good on that, ex that helped that offense excel. And then taking, taking concepts that maybe work for, you know, in, in one offense, applying it to yours, but kind of giving a little bit of a twist to kind of fool the defense. Like that stuff is great. And so when you have guys like that, I think that's why they stand out um, and why they're in, the, in this position. But it, it really, you know, it's, it's something I think that is very key and something that, that they'll have to look at going forward. And it's funny because I talk about the leadership stuff. And one of the things with this group is you have a lot of strong leaders in here. You're going to have like guys like Bob Myers and Rick Spielman. Spielman built a really good organization. He's respected. Bob Myers built an unbelievable organization. Then you have Magic Johnson in on these interviews. And when he talks, you know, it's funny because I talked to somebody um, who had been in one of the, uh, or clearly has experience with some of these interviews and talked about what an impressive guy he was asking some of these questions and the leadership road conversations that he could go down was just different more so how like how it applies in the locker room you know other guys can talk about how leadership like mitch rails or you know obviously josh harris they can talk about how the leadership applies to building an organization which you get into the locker room magic is one of the best leaders of all time and was you know and and a champion and so like he brings a different perspective and a different line of questioning that helps them all learn. I think that's going to be pivotal throughout this coaching process. I don't, you know, he's not going to, Magic's not going to be making decisions, but I think he's going to elicit a lot of really good information just based on what he's able to, the roads he's able to go down as somebody who has been a, a champion and been in locker rooms and been a leader, et cetera. So just leads to different conversations, which can be more enlightening. Um, and then you have other guys who can get, go down the football path, like Peters, Rick Spielman, et cetera. So um, there you go. Um, I think that's really about it. I have folks, not a whole there. That's what's going on. And so this week, just again, going to be uh, multiple guys who will be interviewing virtually again, what, what, if it takes place Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's going to happen. So um, unless some new name, then and I think the big thing is do other names emerge during this process and what do they do with, with the front office now with Martin Mayhew, that'll come up whenever the press conference is, that'll come up and see what, what the roles will they, will the roles change or well, the role is going to change, but will 
will he be reassigned? Will he just be, will they just clean house? Um, still to be determined. So anyway, folks, that's it for me. I'll be back on Tuesday with another podcast as we continue to look at Washington's off season. So much going on and it should be an exciting time for you guys as, as change seems to be bringing some hope. Talk to you next time.